This is the Psalms to God podcast, season three, episode 14, Life Lessons from Ban. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 16, NASB. going to talk about something really different. I think this is going to be a very uh, unusual episode in the context of most of my episodes. Um, But I kind of want to talk about how wisdom and knowledge can come from unexpected places. There is a Bible verse where Jesus says that he has many sheep of a different fold, people that the disciples weren't familiar with, and that they still hear his voice and come when they are called. And kind of in the same vein of this common knowledge post where I'm, I guess, kind of expressing that true knowledge, truth, and wisdom can appear in various places, in various cultures, because there is an, there's a fundamental truth that God is telling us. And if we are in tune with his voice, even if we have some of the details wrong, we may still be able to find those underlying truths. And one of the places that this happened for me was in band. And so I wanted to share some of the things that I picked up from band and how that actually impacted my life because I think in in a very strange way, um, I, like I think it's bad, but I also think it's good because it it reinforces that idea that if you're living life and you're seeking the right thing, if you're seeking God, that you will still find him. Um, but like a lot of what I know, a lot of how I became who I am today did not come from a church building. Um, while many of the people involved in these things were still part of my church family, you know, I've expressed how things in the sorority shaped me while, you know, but of course my sorority sisters that were around me immediately were also Christian. So yeah, they're still in my church family, but like it was the ideas that I was learning in this other place that were really shaping things that I think God was trying to tell me about Christianity and how it's supposed to look. The same thing happened to me in band. So if we start in the beginning, way back when I was 11 years old, this was, I don't know if I should say how long ago this was, but it was a long time ago. Um, I was 11 years old, I was registering for middle school, and I was at the school with my mom Uh, registering for classes, taking care of some like before school stuff like over the summer and I was in a very bad mood. Um, At that age I was always in a bad mood. If anyone has any preteens right now I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your preteen because I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with me but I was just always in a bad mood. Um, But at that particular time in my life I was very upset with my parents. Um, They had just built a new school 
in my hometown and I learned that I was not going to the school that my entire family went to um, but I was going to this new school that was out in the middle of nowhere and had basically been built for a bunch of like rich white kids and I was like not happy about this because I had spent my whole life knowing I was going to this other school and there was like family history I had grown up going to like the football games at that school and I, I, I was mad um, but my parents had actually fought for me to go to this other school because it was a better school they had more money which that's a whole another it's a whole another topic we can't get into that today but um so I was really mad at my parents for that then as things progressed um, I found out that I wasn't going to be in classes with my friends um, I got pulled into like a different type of classes and um, so I was really upset about that and my friends were going to all be in chorus so I wanted to be in chorus no guys, I can't sing. Y'all will never hear me sing on this podcast because you don't want to. Um, but I wanted to be in chorus with my friends and uh, my parents were like, no boo, you can't sing. You gonna get picked at if you would, like you, you set yourself up for failure. You're not gonna be in chorus. You will be in either band or orchestra. I grew up in a musical family. They didn't give me no choices except for band or orchestra. So here I was at 11 years old at the school registering for band even though I did not want to be in a band, I wanted to be in chorus. So I was in a mood, okay? I was in a nice little teenagery, sassy mood. So we're walking down the hallway and I'm smacking on some gum. At that age, I chewed gum. I went through packs of gum a day. I was, I guess, the way smokers are with cigarettes, but with gum. And we're walking down the hall and we run into this man I assumed he was in his early 20s. Of course, as a kid, you know, everyone looks older. Everyone seems so much more adult than they really are. But he was younger than I am now. Um, he was like fresh out of college. And he introduces himself. And he ended up being the band director for the middle school. And he was like, I have a zero tolerance policy for gum in my class. And he was, I mean, he said it in like a, a, like a funny way. But of course, I was in a mood. So I was like, this guy you know so I went home and came back and ended up in this man's band change life changer most of the wisdom that I'm about to share to you actually all the wisdom comes from this person so shout out to Mr. Rudolph who was my band director in sixth grade and then from ninth grade all the way through my senior year of high school awesome band director um, you know I came into band and uh, I was playing the flute. I did not want to play the flute either. <laughs> it was a rough time. It was a really rough time. Um, but I did, I met a lot, a lot of my friends I actually did make in band. And I did not lose the friends that I thought I was going to lose because I was not in classes with them and because they were in chorus. I'm still friends with many of them today. It's just we weren't as close in middle school and high school as we were in elementary school, but we're still friends. Like they didn't disappear off the face of the earth. So if you're younger and you're in that age group and you think that you're going to lose your friends because, you know, there's some separation or even if you're going off to college and you think you're going to lose your friends because you're going to college, like if they're real friends, like they will be your friends for, for life. Um, so wisdom point number one. Um, but number two, I, um, when I started band, I played the flute, and I was one of the last flute players to make a sound come out of the instrument. It was very, very difficult. 
And uh, something very interesting happened. There was like maybe like 12, 13, I don't know. Y'all know. If you're if you're a band person, you know, flute, flute sections would be off the rails. Like it'd be a lot of people in the flute section. Flutes, clarinets, like it's like everybody just wants to play the flute or the clarinet or the trumpet, right? Biggest sections in the band, particularly early on before they let you start branching off to like other instruments that are a little bit more like specialized or complicated or whatever. So you know, there's all of us in, 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 in the flute section, and there are two of us that can't make sound on these instruments. We're just struggling. Eight, just air, just air. And interestingly, there was something both of us had in common that nobody else in the flute section had in common. We was both black, which doesn't seem like it should have anything to do with a flute. Like, it really doesn't seem like it should be relevant to the fact that we're trying to learn the flute. Like, it's a flute. It's an instrument. You play, you blow into it, you play it. Like, what's that got to do with color? So, my band director is looking at us and he's just, you know, he doesn't say any of this out loud, right? But he's just kind of looking at us and he's like, I wonder why, you know, these two are having trouble. And I'm pretty sure, knowing how I was at, like, in my early 20s, because he was like, he had to be, like, 22, 23 years old. I, like he was probably like what do I do what do I say like not like how do I handle this um I have no idea what was going on through his head but he eventually figured out that we had slightly different lip shapes than our fellow flute players and um I, mine is not as pronounced as the other girls uh but our lip shape has sort of like the peak that's like here in the middle of the lip and it was getting in the way when we were blowing the air. And he eventually figured that out and told us that we should kind of blow like to the side, like maybe not directly center to the mouth, but kind of like shift it and play like a little to the side. And lo and behold, as soon as we tried it, there was sound. It wasn't a good sound, but it was a sound. <laughs> so we started playing the flute. And so, you know, middle school, it wasn't really super eventful, but I did make a lot of friends um, outside of my original friend group that were in the flute section particularly. I made some friends in the clarinet section. Um, at that time, there was a woodwind class and a brass class, so I didn't really meet people from the brass class yet, but I, I started making a lot of friends within, like, the woodwind section. Um, and even though, like, I still wasn't super gung-ho about band and I really hated the flute, you know, it was kind of cool. Like, he was a really cool band director. He was funny. Um, and at the end of the year, he got promoted to high school band director. And we got a new band director. We're not going to talk about that time because some interesting ha things happened during that time. We're not going to get into that. But that band director did give me one piece of wisdom. It has it's an interesting thing you have to be careful in applying it but he used to always say when in doubt leave it out now granted I'm not really sure I agreed with him in the context of what he was saying um or why he said it, it was kind of like people were messing up parts of the song he's like if you can't play it don't play it just leave it out and so like in a way that's kind of like horrible advice like no if you can't play it go learn how to play it and come back and play it but um from a general standpoint, like just the slogan "When in doubt, leave it out." From like a speech comp, from, from like a speech uh, perspective, like 
you know, if I'm in doubt about what I'm saying, whether I'm in doubt about whether it's true, like I'm not 100% sure this is this actually happened, whether I'm in doubt about, um, you know, how you're going to feel about it or, or how it's going to make a person feel, whether I'm in doubt about uh, if I should say it, um, just like all those things, like, then don't say it, leave it out, don't, don't do it, right? Like, um, same thing about like, you know, actions, like if you, if you have a doubt about like how your action is going to come off or how it's going to be received, maybe just don't do that, right? So in a sense, it, it actually is a great piece of advice. Um, but like I said, in the context that he was actually giving it, I'm not sure I would have agreed. I probably would have went about it a different way, but those were some interesting years. Um, didn't really help my perception of me being in band, but I was there because my parents said I had to be. Okay, so we're gonna flash forward to ninth grade, where I ran back into this this band director, and I started marching band. Now, marching band, if done right, will make you question your sanity. Uh, as a freshman, we had two weeks of band camp. Everyone else just had one week, so we had to show up a, an extra early, extra week early. You had to learn how to march. Band camp was from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. in the middle of the summer in South Carolina. Where it gets hot, it is hot, and you're running around outside contorting your body in all these different positions. It's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable, and you're like, why am I here? I could be in an air-conditioned building watching cartoons. I could be at a job making money because at this point, most of us were at least 14, and we were eligible to work, uh, especially in a tourist town. And you're like, why? Am I out here dying, right? Like that's literally how you feel in band camp, especially your freshman year, um, because it's hard, you don't know what's going on, and you're a rookie and people, you get treated like a rookie, okay? Um, <clears throat> but I learned about delayed gratification. That's the first speech you get from this particular band director when you join marching band. Delayed gratification, you're gonna hate it now. It's gonna hurt but you're gonna love it when you get that first place trophy. And, um, you know, it, it was a process. Um, it was definitely hard work. We had to run laps, we had to do push-ups. It's hot. Like I said, you're contorted in all kinds of different directions. And then on top of that, you gotta play an instrument and you gotta learn and memorize. We had to memorize the music. You're like, wait, hold on. The music hard enough by itself. You also want me to do all these other theatrics in the background? Like, who thought this was a good idea? The military. The military came up with marching band. That's where they thought it was a good idea. But, you know, you're just like, okay, I'm not really sure I follow you. But like by the end of the season, when we were getting first place, we we're racking up first place trophies and everything. First place in everything, you know, and you're getting like grand champions at a competition and you're getting rated like superior and things like that. Like, there is no other feeling than that. I, I don't think it was my freshman year, but one year we actually got a trophy that was taller than our shortest band member. That was amazing. We're like, come here, come here. You gotta take a picture beside this. Like, this is the trophy, right? We, I mean, there were trophies all around the room. The room was just like stacked with trophies. And there is this feeling, when you get there, you're like, yeah, that was worth it. I'll do that again. I'll do it again next year. Yeah, we're coming back for that. And that followed me throughout life. I mean, I would not have a PhD if I had not learned that. Like I literally in my PhD, I'm like, okay, this is like band camp. You hurt, you don't know why you're here. 
it seemed real foolish to be wasting your life like this. But one day, you will get that, that little piece of paper and you're going to be like, yeah, I did that. I did that. And uh, I learned that from Ben. But it's also true from a Christian standpoint. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's not easy to do the right thing. It's not easy to... Um, to turn the other cheek or to, to diffuse situations to be the bigger person. None of that's easy. That's delayed gratification. The entire concept of building your treasures in the kingdom and not storing them up here on earth is delayed gratification. But I really learned how to apply that and to understand that in marching band. Now, going into my freshman year of marching band, there was a moment during our first competition um, we got second place. We got a second place trophy at our first competition of the year when we opened up. And we as freshmen thought that was amazing. We were celebrating, we were happy. And some of the upperclassmen uh, chastised us. They were like, no, we don't celebrate second place. We are a first place band. We don't do second place. We don't get excellent, we get superior. That's not how, that's not how we get down here. And I remember one of my friends actually cried um, and we were just like, how, like, why are you blaming it on us? Because, you know, they're like, it's your fault because you're a freshman. And we're like, how you know the seniors weren't carrying y'all? Y'all, maybe it's your fault. Like, you know, you feel very attacked that, th like, that this is happening. Um, but when we got our first place trophies, like, it is a different feeling to get first place than to get second. Um, but it wasn't until my senior year that I understood what actually happened. So my senior year... A lot of things happened, a lot of things changed about how we did things, but we never did that to the underclassmen. We didn't, at least to my knowledge, there may be some underclassmen who'd be like, nope, actually one of y'all said blah, blah, blah. But we really didn't talk to them in the same manner. And we ended up getting second place trophies almost all season. And when we finally got a first place trophy, like the freshmen didn't actually know that before that year, we had only gotten first place trophies that we were a like that that was just the norm for us to get first place trophies and i realized that there is something about expectation when you set your expectation here you're gonna try to get here if you set your expectation here you're only trying to get here this is why they have that saying shoot for the uh shoot for the star shoot for the moon so when you fail at least you'll be among the stars you have to shoot as high as you can and you have to work with that mindset a lot of people think that, you know, it's it's bad to be like that, but like there is what is called a winner's mindset and you have to have a winner's mindset to win. Now, I'm not saying be bad, like be a bad sportsman and like throw a tantrum because you got second place or, you know, to, to like just go absolute like over the top with it. But you do have to have a first place mindset to get first place. And I learned that from those upperclassmen and from the experience that I had my senior year when, when we realized that we didn't push them into that mindset. It was like, oh, that's why they was doing us like that. We thought they was just mean, but like, no, you have to get pushed into the mindset of having a winner's mindset. And again, that's still a, a thing that parallels Christianity. You have to have a Christian mindset. Like you have to have your mind is where all of this stuff is happening. Your mind is the strongest thing that you have. And if it's if it's solid here, it will come out in your actions. If you believe in love here, it will come out in your actions. Everything starts in here. Okay? So, we're going to talk about some other things 
that I learned in band. Early is on time, on time is late. Another thing that you learn very quickly. Um, so in band, when they say that practice starts at 6 o'clock, practice starts at 6 o'clock, that means that somebody, whether it's the drum major, the band director, your section leader, somebody is standing in front of you going one, two, three, four. All right, like there, there's a downbeat coming, like we get ready to play. Okay, I'm exaggerating. Actually, they're probably going to tune you first because ain't no sense in playing if you're not in tune. But they're going to make you start doing something. Like you're, you should be warmed up. You should be sitting in a chair or standing, you know, somewhere where you can get into attention or, you know, like your instrument should be fully assembled. Um, for those who are not band people, instruments do not come in one piece. Well, most of them, some of them do, but most instruments don't come in one piece. So for instance, the flute is made up of three parts. There's the head joint, the body, and then the foot joint. Um, the clarinet, I think, has three, four parts. I think clarinets might have four parts. There's the mouth and the middle and the bell. Don't quote me on that. Three or four. Um, saxophone has like the neck and then like the bell part. Uh, I think, you know, brass is a little bit easier. They just stick a, just stick a mouthpiece on there, but you still have to like make adjustments and things like that. But like all of the instruments have to be assembled before you can play. Like you can't carry it the way it, you would play it. So you have to come in, assemble it. Then you want to play a couple of notes, warm it up, get it ready. Like, um, you know, adjust, like for instance, as a flute player, you want to adjust the headpiece to try to tune yourself before they start calling on you to play in front of the whole band where you play in like super flat and everybody's like, Ooh, right? Like, so you want to be prepared. So you want to show up a good 30 to 15 minutes before this practice actually starts so that you are on time for practice. That is so much, that's so true for everything else. Even like going into college, like, Okay, class starts at 8, but the teacher's going to start lecturing at 8. And I'm trying to pull out my notebook, out my book bag. I'm trying to find my pencil. And they talk it. And by the time I get set up to take my notes, they don't slide 12. And you're like, wait, hold on. Can you go back? I missed slides 1 through 12. Like, I don't know what's going on, right? Like, it's the same concept. You need to be ready to go. And this same concept is actually found in the Bible. You have the story of the five foolish versions virgins and the five wise virgins they're waiting to meet to make meet their husband and the wise virgins get their oil for their lamp early so that when he comes they're on time to go with him the foolish ones have to go out and try to find it and they miss the wedding right early is on time be ready be prepared you should be prepared for everything you should be preparing you should have um, you should be working on your discernment working on your ability to to ascertain situations and you should be prepared you know hope for the best prepare for the worst right like and again that comes with this concept of being early early is on time and like i said even from a practical application it helped me in college it helped me in grad school it helps me at work it's a foolproof thing another lesson we learned was leave a place better than you found it so when you have a hundred plus teenagers uh, going places, going to hotels, going to McDonald's or to Subway or wherever, um, you know, you need to lay down some rules about cleanliness because that can get real bad real soon. And people, I mean, imagine you, you work, I worked at McDonald's. You get a call saying we're going to bring in a hundred hungry teenagers. You're like, uh-uh. 
uh uh don't bring that foolishness up in my establishment like i'm not trying to have to clean up after that i'm not trying to deal with their rambunctiousness like no but we were trained to leave it better than we found it so if we came in it was like you would literally see people getting out rags get i mean like finding like the paper towels and stuff to like clean the table we like oh no no we gotta make sure the table clean we gotta sweep up any food that we drop like we in there cleaning like we work at this establishment because he said leave it cleaner than you found it and i think that is a great motto for how you enter people's lives i should leave your life better than when I found you. Now, I don't mean that in a arrogant, narcissistic way, but what I mean is I should bring something of value to you. Every interaction I have with a person should leave them feeling better than they felt when I met them. What I mean is like, even if I meet a stranger who's passing by, whatever I do should be something that could leave their life better. So if that's a smile, if that's a wave, if that's a compliment, those are the types of actions that should dictate my behavior in life. If I, and, and that goes beyond like interactions, social interactions, that also goes into what I do. Anything that I do, if I work for this company, I should leave this company better than it was when I found it. If I am volunteering for something, I should leave this volunteer program better than I found it. Um, the sorority, this was also echoed in my sorority. You should elevate the status of the sorority. It should become so um, great that you would have trouble getting into it if you had tried back then, like in terms of like growth, right? You should always be improving and evolving and making things better, better than you found it. And so um, that was definitely a, a thing that stuck with me and that really resonated with me going forward in my life. Now, before I share this last lesson that I learned, is it my last lesson? Did I go through all of them? I don't know if I've gone through all of them, but before I show, share this last one that's on my mind at the moment, um, I wanna take a break to talk about how this changed me at the time that I was in band because I'm talking about revelations that like how I see it has played out in my life and a lot of that's coming with like hindsight right like not necessarily that I knew it at the moment that I knew that it was going to have that effect or that profoundness but one thing a lot of people don't know about me particularly because I have a PhD and I was a nerd and a bit of an overachiever in school people think that I liked school um, a lot of people think that I was a nerd because I liked school. I like to learn. That is true. And I like things that are typically considered nerdy. Like I like to read. I like to, uh, I like math. Like I, those things are considered nerdy, which is why I don't reject the label of nerd. However, I hated school. In particular, I hated my school. I hated my middle school. I told you guys that. But I also hated the high school. I did not want to be there. I did not want to go to that school um, ever. And that did not change the entire duration of 6 to 12. I did not want to be there. I spent the entire time waiting till I could go somewhere else. Um, and I had actually made a deal with my parents that when I got 16 and I got my license, I could, they would help me try to transfer to another school if that's what I still wanted. So I was living my life like when I turned 16, I'm out of this place. I'm going somewhere else. Bye. Right? Like that's how I felt about it. And one of the things that was evident in that is that if I could if I could not be there, 
I wasn't there. Um, me and my dad had an understanding. My mom was was in on this understanding. The school district that I grew up in gave you five days a semester that could be unexcused, right? Five days that you could miss. So I missed all five of those. Uh, the rules were as long as I wasn't skipping a test, as long as I wasn't avoiding turning in an assignment, um, as long as it wasn't messing up my performance in the class, then I was allowed to wake up and be like, I don't want to go to school today. And my dad would be like, do you still have, you know, do you still have a day? Yep. Is there a test today? Nope. Do you, is something due today? Nope. All right, fine. I'll see you. I'll see you when I got from work and I would stay home. Now, that's the unexcused days, right? That meant that I could just wake up and say, I don't want to be there. But there's also things you can get excuses for, right? So if I didn't feel well, we plan this all the way out. I'm sick. I am dying. I am not going to school. Now, I, ha I have very severe uh, female issues, <laughs> okay? I have literally passed out during that time of the month. Um, in high school, I would pass out. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm always faking it. Sometimes I was literally dying. Um, but there were times where it wasn't that bad. But because I had a history of fainting, of vomiting, of passing out, and things like that during that time of the month, the nurse basically gave me a freestanding excuse. So all I had to do was go to the nurse and say, it's that time of the month, I don't feel well, and she would just excuse me for the rest of the day. So... No matter what, whether it was one of those times where I really was passing out or whether I was just, it's just that time of the month and I can claim that I'm going to pass out, I was going to the nurse and be like, I don't feel well. I, I, I want to leave. <laughs> so I would leave, okay? So that's once a month that I also would miss in addition to my five days that I automatically got out. And when I got into uh, high school, I was finding other ways. Like, for instance, um, I was in this thing called leadership. Conway it's a like leadership program and they like they it's for like training you to be a leader uh that's, that's cool but like you don't you miss you miss school to go to it so I was like yeah sign me up sign me up let's do it so I got to miss time for that as well on top of these other days that I was also throwing in there and to give you a um a glimpse at how I was able to milk the system to get out of school my senior year I, the last semester, not the whole year, the last semester of my senior year, I missed 14 days and I still did not tip over the amount that would cause me to be like, to cause them to automatically fail me from the, from school or from the classes. That's how much I was like stressed. And my, my teacher was just like, you're never here. Like, what are you doing? And this was all just because I did not want to be there. But interestingly, now, that was a spring semester. If you were to be able to go back and get my records, you would find me missing zero days in the fall semester. There's a stark difference between the fall and the spring. The fall was when marching band was. So we had marching band practice Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. We had sectionals and football games on Friday, and we had competition on Saturday, and I took private lessons on Wednesday. Now, also, part of the thing is, if you don't go to school, obviously you can't go to practice. If you're not at school on Friday, you can't 
play at the game and you can't do the competition on Saturday. And my for my parents, if I didn't go to school on Wednesday, then I couldn't go to my lesson on Wednesday afternoon. So I went to school because I wanted to go to band. I was literally just showing up to that building so that I could go to band. And that is really the only reason I was in school. I'm not really sure what would have happened if I had not found it. Like if I had not made friends in band, if I didn't enjoy band, I'm not sure I would have graduated. Like it's it sounds crazy because it's like you have a whole PhD, like like you were really smart and it's like, yeah, but like that was my motivation to show up. Like I really did not care about any of the other stuff. Like I was just like, yeah, I'm showing up because fourth period is banned. So I just gotta, I gotta make it through this English class and I gotta make it through the science class. And I'm not gonna lie, I, lo I like my math teachers. Oh, this is also how I ended up in the, the sciences because I really liked my math teachers and I liked math. So math and band, like I, I'm really showing up because I know that I can, I, you know, these two classes are going to carry me through the day. Um, and I became mildly obsessed with band. Like I, I ended up joining a um, youth orchestra for a little while. And like I was literally, I probably was playing my instrument a good, you know, 10 hours a day with, at, at like peak band because I would go and do practice. I would go home, I would practice some more at home. Like I was just, music was everything. And in a sense, that kind of like that feeling of, of of that being kind of like a central part of your life again that's still something that i found as i've grown in my relationship with christ as christ becomes that center point it makes everything else bearable right when you know when you actually experience the love of god and you have that faith and you get that peace all of these other things that are coming and going that that irk you that disturb you you learn to bear with them. You learn to deal with them. You learn to find what you can live with and like accept those things. And you like you have your prize, if that makes any sense. And um, I did want to share that because it's, I guess, it also translates into Christianity, but it also explains why it was such a big deal for me at the time that I was, you know, in band. Um, I did think of one other thing that I wanted to share in addition to the one that I said was the last one. But, um, so, our band was nicknamed The Mafia when we were there. I don't know if our band director knows that, but, um, I do, I do definitely remember people, other people at my school calling us The Mafia because we rolled deep. And there are a couple of instances that I remember specifically that are probably how we got this name. So I remember being a freshman. Um, there was poor city planning for my high school, so there was more students than there was space inside the school. And so what would happen is if you came late, to, if you came late to lunch or whatever, like there was a high probability, like literally we would wait in line for like 20 minutes. It's a 30 minute lunch, guys. 20 minutes you're in line trying to get food because there's so many kids trying to get food. And then when you get your food, there is nowhere to sit. But you're not allowed to leave the cafeteria. What? education system in the United States guys so you're coming out and you're like I don't know where I'm gonna sit um, so like we had found like this little place to sit and there were some upperclassmen hassling some of 
the other people in, that are in band. They were, we were all freshmen and they were like hassling some of the people. I think they were trying to take their seat or something. And the upperclassmen from band showed up. Like they literally got up, walked up and was like, is there a problem? What's going on? What you doing? Right? And it was like one of those things where it's like, no, you're not going to bully another band person. Like we're, we're a band family. If you got a problem, like you go deal with all of us. And like, I remember other people coming, like it ended up like, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, like, uh, like a hundred, all hundred of us. Cause we all had different lunches and things like that. But it was a good, like at least five to 10 of the band kids, like the older band kids standing there, like leave them alone. Like go, go somewhere, let them sit, let them eat, blah, blah, blah. And so it was like, yo, that's cool. They got our backs, even though we're freshmen, even though they like, we know when we get to back band practice in five minutes, they're going to be yelling at us and telling us how we suck and how it's our fault that we lost competition. But in front of all these other people, we're cool. I like it. I like it. You know, like there was, there was this like unity there um, that again, I feel like, again, something that you learn in sorority something that should exist in Christianity, this unity of sticking together and sticking by each other, um, not letting people bully people, you know, be, being ready to come to people's aid and to their defense when you see them in distress or you see a problem happening. Um, other things, like I remember um, there was someone who wanted to be on homecoming court and uh, they told us, they were like, we want to be on homecoming court. And we're like, all right, done right and so we got this person on homecoming court and I remember the popular girls were like talking about it and they were just like how did she get on you know the homecoming court and we're like because she's in band and we got her back y'all probably got like one two votes each because let's be real in high school people be winning stuff with like three votes because the whole school voted for somebody different um but we like she got all the votes for the class in band. Everyone in band in that class is voting for her because she said she wanted it and we go give it to her. And our drum major was actually on the senior homecoming court. Cause like we have like class courts, which are a little, I guess, less, like less popular. That's what we were getting her into. But like our band director was on like the actual homecoming court for like becoming homecoming queen. I don't remember if she won homecoming queen or not, but like, we're like, nah, you want, you want in? We got you. We voting for you. Just let us know. We're doing it. Um, and in that, we also we had like uh, we had what we called secret secret envelope number one, secret envelope number two. Um, what would happen is you would find out that people knew need needed things, and we would raise money for those things. Um, and sometimes it wasn't necessarily need. It was like oh, you know, this person like the band director's birthday is coming up. We're gonna buy balloons. Secret envelope number two is for the band director's balloons. You can do put your donations in there, and they would sit in the front of the classroom. Again, they would sit there, money, no one's stealing this, no one's taking it, right? And everyone, if you knew, you knew, right? Like, and they would just, it, it was just known, secret envelope number one, secret envelope number two, secret envelope number three. It could be because somebody's family is going through something and we want to get them something or we, we actually ended up paying for a trip for somebody because they had experienced a death in their family recently and we're like, we want to make sure they can still go. Um... We had someone who, I don't actually know if this was like a monetary need, like they didn't have the money, but they had poor reads. Um, there's, oh goodness, now I'm old because I can't remember, but there's a brand of reads that's like notoriously sucks for uh, clarinets and this person was playing on those reads and it sounded horrible. So we raised money to buy them a brand new set of good reads, quality reads. Um, 
you know, just like little things like that we would, you know, we'd raise money. We raise money to get a cake for somebody's birthday. We always got the band director a cake. Somebody would figure out how to play happy birthday on their instrument and, you know, we would go for it. Um, so that was one of those things that always brought us together and like we stuck together like like it was like a it was the kind of like the mafia except we weren't killing people right there was no illegal activities going on but like in terms of you know like there's like a code there's a there's a tightness there's a unity that can't be breached that was definitely there now to the last thing the thing that i actually had in mind that i was going to say the final lesson that i learned was about understanding perspective and putting yourself in other people's shoes so one year i think this was my junior year um somebody from the low brass section went into the band closet where they have all the music and picked out the song it was like we should play this and they brought it up and um it's called mask and it is very low brass heavy um it was the first song that we tried where low brass has the melody and woodwinds are playing half notes and whole notes and we the woodwind section was like this blows i hate this song we should not play this this sucks i hate this they're crazy like no we're not doing this we did not want to play that song and it was so boring it was like when we first got that song out it was so boring um but we we did end up playing the song and i learned so much about life from that experience so the low brass never got to shine um in band like low brass is what makes a band a band like if you don't have a low brass section you don't have a band i'm saying that even as a woodwind player like that's what gives you your bass that's what holds the band together that's what gives you your beat that makes the song pop that, that like that the, i mean that's why you have like dci right like they really don't have woodwinds at all and it's still fine but in traditional band settings woodwinds get the spotlight we have the melody we have the flowing parts we have the exciting things and they're back there just bomb 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 and it's I, I feel bad like y'all be holding it down but it's boring to play i learned that it's boring to play i get it i get it and when we did this song it was basically a role reversal so the low brass gets the melody they get to shine they get to be in the spotlight and now the woodwinds are taking on the role that the low brass usually takes and in doing so we basically walked a mile in their shoes i now understand why they always rush in the doggone song like because it's boring to play a whole note it's boring to play half notes and that's why y'all keep pushing the beat up like because you're trying to speed up whatever it is you're playing because it's boring um so i started to understand oh guys that's why y'all always rushing the song right and they understood why we always get upset at them rushing the song because 30 second notes we need you to take that whole half note and that whole whole note like we can't you can't be making it shorter because it's already short for us right like you you making our notes shorter right and so they were like y'all stop rushing like <laughs> And so like we ended up saying literally the same things to each other that we had been saying in reverse, right? Like you start to see like, oh, this is why that happens, you know? And now they're sitting there like, oh, when do I breathe? How, how, how do y'all breathe? Like, <laughs> and you know, you're just like, yeah, guys, it's not all it's cracked up to be. But like you, you start learning 
how these things like why this person acts like this why they behave this way why you keep making these mistakes why you're so upset that I'm doing this um, it like it really did help us to understand perspectives and the song actually is a fire song like I have this song on my app iPod to this day I still listen to it because it's a bomb song I was like yo this song actually goes hard like I like it I hated playing it but I actually really like the song and it turned out like really well definitely one of my favorite songs that we played throughout the time that I was in band but it was just different than what we were used to and so it was met with apprehension and in our society that happens a lot whether we're talking about like specific to Christianity things changing within the Christian church people being abrasive to understanding things from a new point of view um, or whether we're talking about like our society at large we're talking about classism racism sexism uh, isms right just isms all the isms phobias isms whatever um, differences between people if you can get to the point that you can see things from their point of view you start to realize that there is validity in what they're saying and there may be validity in what you're saying as well like in the end like I said them rushing the notes harms us playing the 30 second notes but us you know yelling at them doesn't help right it is a boring thing to play you should get to play the melody sometimes you should get the spotlight sometimes you should get to play a solo too like just because you're a tuba player don't mean you don't deserve a solo tuba solo let's go you know like you start to learn that like yeah I, like I get it right and so similarly when you're talking to people who are from a different view whether it's a different identity a different class all those things that we mentioned like being able to step back and be like okay let me see where they're coming from let me understand what they're trying to tell me let me hear them out because there is a reason why they're talking there's a reason why they're complaining there's a reason why they're voicing this frustration or this opinion or this sadness or whatever it is and it's my responsibility to listen and to try to meet them halfway and the first instance that I got to see that play out was not in a church it was in a band it's in a band room with a hundred students arguing about whether or not we was gonna play this song and just because we went with something that was not the status quo did not mean it was wrong and it didn't fail it turned out beautifully so you can switch you can flip things around you can you can change things up and it doesn't destroy the fundamentals that are already there it doesn't take anything away like it didn't take away from us right to, to let them have that shine for that song so that was I wanted to share that one last because I think it is definitely something that everyone should be taking into their life um, but yeah so that's today's episode um, like I said it's a little bit different but I it was on my heart and I was thinking about my my, my fellow band people this morning and I wanted to express that so thank you to all of you know Carolina Forest High School band even the people that I've never met that are there now shout out to y'all y'all are phenomenal definitely a huge shout out to Mr. Rudolph who was our band director that taught that you know facilitated all of these lessons and just a note to those of you like you may not be in band like you may listen to this whole thing like I'm not in band like what's what's the point but my point is that these types of lessons, these types of things that will help you with your character and who you should be in Christ can come from anywhere. So it is up to you to be open and to 
let that wisdom come to you. Anyway, thanks again. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share with your friends, and I will see you guys next week. Bye!